If you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. This is God's Word. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Suffice it to say that what God says on this subject is not the prevailing view in our culture. Sadly, it's not even the prevailing practice in most churches. Jesus was continuing his ministry of bringing healing and wholeness to people who were broken. And some Pharisees came to him in order to find out the truth about what God wanted of men. Now, Some Pharisees came to him to test him. The first thing to note about Jesus' answer is that it was in response to people who were not looking for truth. They were trying to find a basis to reject Jesus, to accuse Jesus, to criticize Jesus. There are a lot of people who come to the Scriptures, who go to church, who might even pray, not looking for the Lord to guide them and direct them, but looking for a chance to say, I tried it and it didn't work. I didn't get what I wanted. These Pharisees were people who prided themselves on knowing the Scriptures, memorized vast portions of the Scriptures, and followed all kinds of nitpicky rules that weren't even in the Scriptures. Very prideful group. Some of them got saved. 
But as a group, they were, um, they were a tough group. They just thought they had all the answers. Jesus' response to their question was, haven't you read? Are, are, are you so ignorant of what God has spoken? Now, their question was, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? There were two main schools of thought, and most of you probably have heard this at some point. But there were two main schools of thought regarding divorce at this time in Judaism. And one said, yeah, if a, if a man's not happy with his wife, he can just divorce her. The other said, no, no, you can only divorce if it's something really, really bad. And they're asking Jesus to take a position. Jesus' response isn't, well, I lean toward this view. Jesus' response was, what does God say? Haven't you read that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female? Today in our culture, we have a lot of confusion about sexuality, about gender, about sexual ethics. And for many people, what really matters is just that whatever you do needs to be something that makes you feel right, makes you feel good. And if you're involving someone else with you in your sexual behavior, it needs to be consensual. It needs to be something where both parties are feeling good about this. And as long as that's the case, then love is love, and whatever anybody wants to do on a given occasion is just really their own business. It's nobody else's business. Haven't you read? We didn't come into being because we decided to come into being. We didn't make ourselves, and we are not simply the result of eons of time and chance mutations. There's a creator. And the creator created with a plan, with a design. At the beginning, the creator made them male and female. He made them male and female. It's a binary creation. And sexuality is God's design. It's not something that, uh, you know, God made a man and God made a woman and they discovered sex and God said, oh, I should have seen that coming. Students and staff, let's say it again. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. One more time for our guests. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. That's not the message on TikTok. 
That's not the impression that most people out there have. Sex is something that just basically exists in order to make me have one more way to be amused. No. Sex is designed by God. It has purpose. It should be pleasurable. But the context is a committed relationship between husband and wife. It's not for something for people who plan to get married. It's not something for people who are married but not to each other. It's not for anything except what the designer created. I love many things about my wife. I love my wife. One of her physical features that I enjoy is her eyes. They are very expressive. Susan does not hide her emotions well. And um, her eyes are what I call green. Um, They are actually uh, a combination of blue with gold all around the uh, iris, uh, right around the pupil. There's kind of a gold ring and then little gold flecks all around. And the combination of blue and gold makes green. So I say her eyes are green, and she says her eyes are blue with gold flecks, and we're both right. You have to be up close, though, to see that it's blue with gold flecks. But I love her eyes. I love the fact that God made them so beautifully. I love the fact that they are so expressive. I love the fact that we can communicate with each other across a room without words because we can look in each other's eyes and read each other's minds. Are you saying you're a mind reader? No, I'm saying that I'm married, okay? I'm married and we know each other well and we're able to sense what's going on most of the time. So, I'll never forget about eight years ago, I'd been traveling and I I came back and Susan knew I was going to be coming home late, so she wanted to leave something special for me on the stair, so she left one of her eyes on the stair for me. And and, uh, I walked in and I found it there on the stair and I said, oh my word, that is so sweet. She left one of her eyes for me. Because she knew if I went to her room and the eyes are closed, you know, I wouldn't want to wake her, but this way I still get to see her eye. Do you think? Do you think that ever happened? No way, Jose. Okay? If I found my wife's eye on the stair, I wouldn't think it was a present. I would think somebody killed my wife. Okay? Because your eye is a beautiful thing in its place. If you take it out of where it belongs, suddenly it's grotesque. Well, what if it's still attached? It's just kind of hanging down here. Gross! I tell this story because it not only illustrates the fact that God's design needs to be honored, 
but because I've had a number of people over the years who told me that they were in a situation of enormous sexual temptation, and suddenly they remembered that story, and they pictured the other person as just a giant eyeball, and they got out of the situation. Okay? You remember that. It just doesn't belong. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Well, I mean, that's not the only context in which some people have sex. I know that. The Bible talks about that. Every kind of sexual perversion that has ever existed on the planet is described in the Bible. Sin is not some new thing that we just came up with in about uh, 2019, shortly before COVID. No. This stuff has always been around. And it's always been sin. And sin produces death. Well, who are you to judge? Hey, haven't you read? It's the creator we need to be concerned about. You don't need to worry about my opinion. What does God say? He's the creator, and every single one of us is going to give an account to him. Well, why does God make these rules? Because God knows what's best, and he loves us. He loves us. The reason I told my kids not to touch the fire is because I didn't want them to get burned. Not because I was trying to keep them from enjoying having their fingers roasted. Okay? God's law is an expression of his love. So, Jesus said, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made the male and female just those two options? And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I could preach a whole sermon on the fact we need to leave and cleave. If you want to have a marriage that works, you've got to leave. If you want to read something good on that, there's a book called When Two Become One. It's available down at the Welcome Center, and if any of you college students want that, it's my gift to you, Okay. Lindsay, you heard that. Okay? Any of these college students can get one. You don't even have to be engaged to somebody to get that from me if you would like that book, When Two Become One. It talks about the fact you've got to leave and cleave. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command them to give the wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? That's not what Moses commanded, by the way. He said, if you're divorcing her, you can't just kick her out. You've got to do something official that provides at least a modicum of protection for her. But, of course, they distorted the law. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you 
not commanded you to do this. He permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. That was not God's plan. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. And the disciples said, oh my goodness, if I'd known that, I probably wouldn't have gotten married. Well, what are these guys saying? These are the disciples, by the way. I mean, please notice that. The disciples said, this is not the Pharisees answering back. The disciples said to Jesus, if marriage is for keeps, you better really be careful. I'm not sure, you know. It's better not to get married. That's what they said. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know that in this room, there are a whole bunch of people who have seen marriages that went very bad. Marriages that just turned out horribly. People who thought, I had no idea this person was going to be like this. I, I think there's, there's got to be an out. There's, there's got to be a way to escape. Jesus says there is if the person is sexually unfaithful. On the grounds of marital unfaithfulness. I had a woman who came to see me in Atlanta, and she said, I don't know what to do. She said, the Bible says that the only basis on which I can get a divorce is if my husband commits adultery. And she said, he hasn't, but, um, but he's taken a male lover, and he's left us to live with his homosexual partner. And I said, that's marital unfaithfulness. Okay? She was like, really? I thought it had to be with another woman. I said, no, 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 that definitely is marital unfaithfulness. Okay? Well, what if the person doesn't move out? What if they're just, you know, connecting with prostitutes, that kind of thing? That's marital unfaithfulness. Well, so, okay, what if the person is just a jerk? I had a woman who came and said, my husband's had a series of affairs, but I've, I've stayed with him because I really wanted to make it work. But lately I've realized he's really mean. I was very upset about something, and I went and I took a shower, and while I was in the shower, I was sobbing because I was so upset. And after a few minutes, my husband came, and he saw me crying in the shower, and he said, if all you want to do is cry, you don't need to waste all that water. And she said, and I decided I'm going to divorce him. So she's divorcing him, not because he's had multiple affairs, but because he's mean. She had grounds for divorce. The problem is, the problem is, that even though she had grounds for divorce, she still wasn't thinking biblically at all. She was still thinking in terms of, how does this make me feel? Let me tell you, 
you can't base your decisions. And I didn't say, by the way, oh no, if that's the reason you're divorcing him, you've got to stay with him. What I said is, you've got to start going back to the scriptures. What did God say? Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, expands on this to say that divorce is also permitted in the case of abandonment. If the unbelieving spouse abandons the believer, then they're not bound any longer because it's the other person who has broken the marriage. But Jesus makes it very clear that marriage is commitment for a lifetime. Till death do us part, as we say in the wedding ceremony. The disciples say, well, then I think it's better not to marry. And Jesus says, not everyone can accept this. Oh, you mean you don't have to accept the part about marriage for a lifetime? No, not everyone can accept the single life. God's word makes it very clear that marriage is the norm and that marriage is a wonderful thing and that marriage is designed by God in order to represent the relationship between Christ and the church. But not everybody's supposed to get married. And if you want to see from the scriptures the perfect model of humanity, It's a single person by the name of Jesus. Okay? Unfortunately, in the church, to a great extent, while trying to show how great marriage is, we've made it seem that single people are somehow deficient. You know, if if you're not married, I'm, I'm sorry. We'll try and help you with that. Some people aren't supposed to get married. And Jesus talks about eunuchs, people who literally are not able to have marital relations. And he says that that is for some, but it is not for most. The one who can accept this should accept it. If God has given you the gift of singleness, rejoice in it. And by the way, if your goal is to get married, you are much more likely to make a mistake and not have a great marriage. But if your goal is to follow Jesus, God may just bring someone along who's going to be a perfect mate for you. If the goal is to please him, do his will, whether I'm single or married, my devotion is first and foremost to him. God will honor that. And if you're supposed to be married, he'll bring the person along. He brought Eve along while Adam slept. Okay? Not while Adam was on the prowl. Adam's going around the Garden of Eden. He's saying, maybe behind this bush. No. While he slept, God took from his side and made a woman. And when he saw her, he said, whoa, man, it's a pun. (laughs) This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. 
God designed us for each other. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I thank God for the privilege of being married. Just a couple more years, a few more years, and it'll be 50 years for my wife and me. Seven kids, the oldest one's handicapped. People with a handicapped child like ours have an 80% likelihood of divorce. 80% of couples with a kid with severe birth defects get a divorce. My wife and I got closer to each other and to God. Because the person who is our best friend is Jesus. And he has kept us strong. But I'll tell you something. If you just want somebody to kind of meet your emotional needs and make you look good when you go out places, you're not going to be a good marriage partner. If, if your reason for wanting to get married is just about you, you're not living life on mission for him. We just had the mentors at our house last night and we were talking with them about how we got together and the fact that the thing that drew me to Susan was not her personality type. It was when I had not even seen her yet, but I heard her speaking about the Lord. And I was just blown away. I thought, that's somebody who loves Jesus like I do. That's somebody who's going to understand the way I love Jesus. Because I knew Susan was always going to love Jesus more than she'd ever love me. And he deserves it, by the way. And therefore, Susan would understand that I'm always going to love Jesus more than I'm going to love her. So, should I want to get married or not? You should want to do God's will. That's what matters. For some people, marriage greatly enhances ministry. For some people, marriage would be a distraction from ministry. John Stott, the great British scholar and theologian, was a single man. And therefore, in a much better position to do a lot of things that married guys just don't get around to doing. Like writing the Lausanne Covenant. So you're saying really singleness is better. Singleness is better for people who are supposed to be single. Marriage is better for people who are supposed to be married. Well, how do I know which I am? When I was in my teens, I wanted to drop out of high school and go on the road preaching the gospel. I'd already been traveling some and preaching place to place. God was opening doors and I was having a wonderful time. I kept a sleeping bag and some cans of tuna and a can opener and a can of sterno in the back, on the floor of the back seat in my car. 63 Chevy Bel Air tooling down the road. And uh, I finally, I, I hated high school. Oof. I came to my dad and I said, Dad, I really want to drop out of high school. I believe the Lord's coming soon and I want to be out there preaching the gospel. And he said, well, son, I mean, we talked a little further on compressing. He said, son, 
I will give you my blessing only if you can commit to me before the Lord that you will never marry. Because if you want to live the life of a high school dropout who's an itinerant preacher, because you believe that's what God's calling you to, I won't stand in your way, but it would be a sin for you to end up with a family that's depending on you and you can't provide for them. I thought, well, you know, I'm a pretty good preacher. I didn't say that to Dad, but he knew what I was thinking. He said, son, right now, your messages are remarkable for a teenager. But when you are 30, 35 years old, it's not going to be remarkable anymore. Good point, Dad. So I said, okay, I'm going to go pray about it. So I went downstairs, and I got on my knees, and I started praying, God, show me. I'm willing to renounce marriage and go on the road for you, if that's what you want. And God spoke to my heart, and he said, read Genesis. God, I'm trying to get an answer here right now. I'm looking to know what do you want me to do? Do you want me to get married or not? If you don't want me to get married, I'm willing to be single the rest of my life. Read Genesis. God, you're not helping. Um, please show me the answer to this question. My dad is waiting for an answer, and I want to know, am I supposed to get married or not? Read Genesis. So with some exasperation, still kneeling at the foot of the bed, I opened my Bible to Genesis chapter 1, and I started reading, and it was very familiar. And I got over into Genesis chapter 2, and a verse jumped off the page It said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And I said, wow, okay, I'm going to get married someday. I was excited, and I went back upstairs and was going to tell my dad, and I found him down on his knees saying into the register, read Genesis. (laughs) That's not true, I made that last part up. (laughs) That didn't happen, the last part didn't happen. I went upstairs and I told my dad that God had spoken to my heart and told me to read Genesis. And when I found that verse, I knew I was going to get married someday. He said, good, then you've got to stay in school. You're going to have to get an education. And I'm glad I did. It wasn't all fun, but it was all worth it. Now let me tell you something. If you want to do God's will, God will do what it takes to keep you in his will. If you want to do your will, you're going to have a miserable, miserable life. Because God has something so much better for you. Am I supposed to be married or not? I don't know. I mean, some people I think I have a good guess, but anyway. The important thing is just that we put the Lord first. We want to do what He wants. If you want to do the will of God, you will. You will. We're sheep. He's the shepherd. He will guide us. He knows our limitations. He knows our capacity to make poor decisions. And he doesn't say, oh, well, you made a bad decision. Get out of here. He shepherds us. He draws us back. He corrects us. He guides us. If you want to know the will of God, start every day by giving God a blank check. 
Say, God, I'm yours. I'll do what you want. I'll go where you want. I'll say what you want. I'm yours. Whatever you want of me this day. If you're willing to do the will of God, don't sweat it. Well, what if I miss it? You won't. But, but I, I can really, I've made some bad decisions, Pastor. You don't know. I've made bad decisions. That's why we're not in charge of the universe. But our Father is. If you're trusting in Jesus to save you from hell and to give you eternal life with him in heaven, he can handle your romance. He's not going to say, and you know, I've always had trouble with that one. I just, you know. He died to give you life. He cares so much for you. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Well, but what if I get the kind of spouse that I don't deserve? You better pray you do. Okay? I don't deserve to have someone as wonderful as my wife. But frankly, she doesn't deserve to have someone as wonderful as me. (laughs) It's based on grace. We love each other because God's love is in us. And I've shared this various times in various settings. But there are times when I do things for her just because I think she's so wonderful. And there are times when I do things for her because I think Jesus is worth it. And I'm sure that's a reciprocal relationship. Sometimes she thinks I'm great. When she came out of anesthesia after a surgery some years ago, she was telling everybody how great I am. And I turned to the nurse and I said, I don't know what she's on, but can we have some more to take home? I teased her about it, and she said, no. She said, that drug just made it so that I was uninhibited in telling what I really feel. Oh, that's precious. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. She's wonderful. Isn't that great? But let me tell you, there are times she doesn't think that I'm so grand. And she's right. What about it? How do, in this world where we're being told that whatever people want is what goes, whatever people believe about themselves is, is their truth, and that's their reality, and so forth and so on, do we just say, well, you know, I guess our views are kind of outdated? No, we live according to God's word. So do we make other people live according to God's word? You can't. You can't. But what you can do is not join them in pretending that lies are true. I think these football players are great. Great examples of Christians and physicality. I've decided... It was this morning as I was walking up the stairs and several of the guys were ahead of me and I was very impressed by their calves. I I decided 
I am a member of the Wheaton football team. Okay, I self-identify as a member of the football team. And coach, I know I may not look like it, but I'm actually 6'4". I weigh 240 pounds. And, and I am the fastest runner on the team. Okay? Thank you. Now, now here's the thing. If I really, really believe that, does it make it true? Of course not. But if they're going to be Christians and loving toward me, shouldn't they go ahead and accept me as a member of the team? I'd get killed out there. <laughs> okay? They would not be doing me a favor if they indulge my insanity. Okay? If I think that I'm a member of the Wheaton College football team, somebody needs to get me some help. Okay? You understand? Make the application. Be loving toward people. Don't think that it is loving to pretend that lies are true. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. We know we don't deserve it, but we are amazed by your grace. Thank you for sending Jesus to save sinners. Thank you for taking the punishment we deserve. Thank you for conquering death for us. Help us to walk in the Spirit and do your will. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we have anybody reciting?